live from Butterfield Studio in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Hello, and welcome to Ask Deb About Business. I'm Rom Gayoso, co-host. We are broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're listening to the show via podcast or watching us on TV, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, our topic is building for the future amidst the talent emergency with our guest, Nicole Martin. So let me say a few words about the show. Broadcasting live from Butterfield Studio in Chicagoland to the world, I would like to welcome you to Ask Deb About Business. The talk show is broadcast every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, where I join Deb Dietz to discuss a variety of business topics. So uh, worry no more. Now you have someone to talk to. Let me say a few words about Deb Deb has a long and distinguished career as a coach, mentor, and through her awesome training programs at SMB Digital Education, she has enabled many entrepreneurs to follow their dreams. And that's what I like about her, her ability to deliver practical advice to help you solve real problems. Have a business question? Well, let's ask Deb. Without further ado, let's uh, welcome Deb Dietz to the show. Hi, everyone. Hi, Ram. Hi there, Deb. How are you doing today? I'm great. It's great to see you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Our show focuses on key trends facing small to mid-market businesses, emerging trends, challenges, and opportunities that businesses need to address. And we invite special guests to join us for looking for solutions, because it is our promise to all of you in our audience that at the end of our time together today, you will have at least one key takeaway, a very practical, piece of advice that you can then implement within your own business. So it, we're delighted to have you with us today. How wonderful. So uh, let's say a few words about our guest, Nicole Martin. So Nicole is the Chief Empowerment Officer and founder of HR Boost LLC. HR Boost is not just your turnkey HR department. They transform Chicago area companies into talent magnets. For the price of a simple full-time employee, you get an HR department that actually delivers ROI with a track record building award-winning and high-performing talent strategies within high-growth businesses. Nicole and her team work with small to mid-sized businesses, SMBs, as well as larger firms with thousands of employees. HR Boost is hired on a project basis to partner in driving business impact and enabling the future of work in the middle market. They are proudly recognized as a 2017 
annual awards for business excellence winner. Nicole is a certified culture coach, a global world-class keynote speaker, and a book author. So without further ado, let's welcome Nicole Martin to the show. conversation today. Yes. We're talking about a very serious topic, um, the talent emergency. And uh, Nicole certainly is our special guest because she is very well versed in, in dispensing practical advice to businesses all over the world. Uh, as she's a keynote speaker, she travels everywhere, uh, dispensing wisdom and helping SMB firms uh, be able to manage their workforce effectively and develop and drive, you know, healthy workplace cultures. And I think one of the place, first places to start is really just go right into it and talk about the talent emergency. And on our show, one of the things that we, we do is we look at data. We have data kind of provide insights into the current state and then what, what is emerging. And I think when I look back at what happened last year, and then this year, last year, it seemed that a lot of the emerging trends, those business challenges and opportunities, um, the number one trend that we follow a lot, Forbes is an example, one of our, one of our uh, guiding uh, uh, viewpoints. One of the emerging trends, the number one was about emergency funding, being able to fund your business and, and maintain its solvency. So that was critically important because of what happened. And uh, so that was last year. And then we started to see emerging trends about, you know, workplace shortages and people remote working remotely. So that's what was happening, you know, pretty much last year. And then with this year, what we've seen is a transition to more of what I refer to as soft, the, the need for soft skills in the workplace. And the number one issue is empathy, emotional intelligence and empathy in the workforce. And then, you know, certainly that's important, but also dealing with a hybrid workforce, dealing with mental health issues on the workforce, making sure that your people are well cared for in the workplace, and making sure that whatever benefits and supports that you're providing them are truly helpful and meaningful, and not just to them, but to their families. So we're seeing this kind of, you know, movement here about our people and our people are critically important to any, any business strategy and the ability to achieve your, your goals. So in your experience, and you writ, writ, uh, wrote a brilliant book, The Talent Emergency, which I loved. Um, and it's it, the first chapter you talk about the paradigm mm -hmm. shift. shift. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what happened you know, prior to two and a half years ago to today, it seems like the world kind of evolved and spun off of its axis a little bit. There, you know, so much change happened within business. Mm -hmm. And of course, employees had to cope with that change and so did the businesses themselves, the employers. So, you know, what have, you know, when you talk about your, the paradigm shift mm -hmm. and the impact of that on people and, and people in the workplace and those employers, mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the words of wisdom that you're sharing with them in such a turbulent time that we're living in? Yeah, I love the way that you kick this off, Deb, because it absolutely is relevant right now. 
And you made a number of really key points. And I would say that, you know, in today's market, when I wrote the talent emergency back in 2014 mm -hmm. and 2015, and it was an Amazon bestseller the month that it came out. Um, it's back then, that's when people started calling me a futurist because people weren't feeling the emergency yeah. because it was present and I knew it. And big companies knew it as well because you started seeing on LinkedIn, I'm in the leadership development program with Deloitte or some large organization, okay. right? And so they were already pipelining talent that was younger because they knew the emergency was there. And our government knew it as well, but they don't go out and tout it. They talk about unemployment rates versus the skills shortage, but in manufacturing, in welding, in engineering tech fields, back five years ago, there was already a talent emergency. And I've been in HR a long time. And of course, that paradigm shift is already happening because of the generational shifts. There's 80 million boomers, straight math, 48 right. million Gen Xers, 80 million millennials. The shift, millennials will own the talent pool, probably 75% of the available talent pool by the year of 2025. Right, so that shift is happening very rapidly, very quickly. And I coined it, talent emergency, 2015. Now you talked about the pandemic, exacerbated it, fast, fast course. Boomers that were basically one foot out the door, they just decided, let's just go. Mm -hmm. Gen Xers that are the skilled people that worked on the ranks for a long time of mass skills, you need them, they're key talent, they're key leaders. They never wanted to leave their six figure job because they mm -hmm. needed it, but They've been thinking about it because I had private conversations with some of those people that reached out to me when I started my own business, wondering how they could go into the freelance market, which is the largest yep. enterprising market right now. Freelance is right. really where it's at for skilled talent. Skilled talent is the hardest thing to find right now in Chicago across industry. I just had a call yesterday with Best and Brightest Wendy's within Milwaukee, within Chicago, which are HR leaders in all types of companies that I facilitate. They're all screaming for skilled talent. And so when you think about that, the bottom line comes down to what you were speaking to but it's simpler. It's humanistic now. Yeah. It's yeah. human. It is no longer anything that is the job and my life and the compartmentalization that existed for many, many years before. It is, I am the talent. This is my God-given graces. This is what I can do. The most important thing to me, especially after COVID, is my family. Yes. So companies that are serving the person and their family needs first, mm -hmm. And some of those companies that like PwC, PwC actually created parent champions within divisions during COVID. There were people that had their kids at home and the people that were empowering with the leadership internally, you had somebody to go to to help you figure out the resources that PwC had internally to support the family, support the kids and help you keep working, including care, including development, yeah. tutoring, et cetera, serving the family. Yeah. That's an example for you. Right. And so that became a big shift and smaller companies had to become much more humanistic, caring, empathetic, as you say. Mm -hmm. And it is a talent market now. It was a talent market then. But now the employees have the upper hand. The skilled talent, they have the upper hand. The talent will choose where it wants to be. Yeah. The question is, why do I work for you? And why should I work for you? And if you don't have the answer to that question today, good luck. So it's a really, it's a different world we're living in. Yes. Actually. Ron? <laughs> yes. uh, so I, I have a different kind of question. You know, Deb, you referred to the talent emergency as the perfect storm. Yes. Why? Why is that? You know, I think to the, the points that uh, Nicole just made, but here's an, another um, point about, I think, it, you know, it's all kind of coming together is, and you, you, you tapped into it. The, you know, if you look at our workforce, 
we've got really three different groups of, of people, right? Yes. We've got the baby boomers, which probably represent a third of the workforce. We've got um, the, uh, you know, the younger generation and the very young generation. So, you know, we've got the, you know, the, the millennials, certainly. And what's, and what's happening is the baby boomers are at some point retiring, right? So they're aging out of the workforce, if you will. With that comes a loss of intellectual knowledge, skills and experiences that are no longer available to the organization. So that's a big loss for that reason. Then to your point, Nicole, then you've got, you know, this, you know, what is generation X, right? That mm -hmm. is uh, maybe the 40-year-olds mm -hmm. that no, are the millennials. And the millennials, I apologize. Mm -hmm. So the, you, then you've got that, that group of people that are, um, you know, looking for opportunities to find a better, you know, work-life balance. They want to be recognized. They want to make sure that they, you know, that they're working for organizations that are within, you know, have those, you know, family values. Um, and that whatever uh, you know, their their experiences in that organization that they're they're looked at not just for themselves, but you know that the organization actually cares about them and their families. So that's becoming more important. And then you've got the younger generation who probably have skill gaps. You know, they're you know relatively new. You know, emergence into the into uh, maybe lower levels of management, and there's a skills gap. So you've got the expertise leaving the organization. You've got, you know, the, the middle category folks who are thinking about, you know, maybe I'm not feeling valued, you know, anymore. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to test my waters. I've, I've gained a lot of experience here. Maybe this is a way for me to, you know, hang out my own shingle mm -hmm. or become an entrepreneur, start a business. And then you've got the younger generation that are kind of, you know, don't have the skills. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're new to the workforce, relatively new to the workforce. And maybe is that the population that where we see maybe this lack of emotional intelligence, you know, and empathy? Is that it within the younger workforce or is it pretty much are you seeing it everywhere? Well, I think emotional intelligence is a really broad bucket to put everybody into. But I think that emotional intelligence, as you know, is it something that we can grow in our whole life. It's the one thing that we okay. can always evolve. And it's different than our cognitive abilities, which are hardwired. Right. But I think that EQ, as we call it, the first step, as Daniel Goldman declared right. it, right. self-awareness. And that self-awareness of presence um, is part of knowing your cognitive gifts, but people are looking more internally past just a job and needing a paycheck anymore. And millennials, they've coined it, life is short. To them, their, their value is life is short. For boomers, right. work ethic is presence. It's, it's, it's work ethic is worth ethic. For Gen Xers, it's freedom, choice. I get to exercise my right. I get to develop this. I get to lead this. For millennials, it's meaningful work. It's okay. also they're starting to settle down with their families. They're starting they're at the marriage age, right, maybe exactly. they're settling down with families. So that stability and consistency that works for the life that they want to have. But they have little tolerance for um, things that are inefficient. They're hyper-responsible. They're globally connected. And what happens is um, they do want the opportunity to lead and to grow and develop, but they are being stolen from the opportunity to have good talent, skill development in a way that the rest of us, like you and I, right had it um, or we had years to uh, absorb it and absorb do it, it working side by side. Right. What's happened, as you said, with, with boomers stepping out and knowledge, um, it's also an impact from, you know, the economic environment. So businesses typically, like you said, 
um, whether if you go back every 10 years, there's been an economic emergency essentially. And so right. businesses are economically focused first in the past. Right. But what's happened is the transformation of people starting to understand that there's not enough skilled talent and people can't grow their capacity in all industries without humans. Right. <laughs> um, and based on the lack right. of humans and immigration not being fixed anytime soon and the generational shift and the fact that nobody took the time to do succession planning like I learned oh. in grad school and nobody, I have yet to go into a company that's done it well. Um, and that's saying a lot um, because those plans are talked about, but have they been executed? And so when you think of how we develop talent, how knowledge, like you said, the mm -hmm. tacit knowledge in a boomer's head, for example, that they have 20, 30 right. years of experience, it lives in someone's head who's about to walk out the door but if we were to teach it old school, like in a classroom face-to-face, -face, like we used to do in lecture style, that's not happening any longer. Right. The younger generation expects it in a different medium. And so the medium in which they give it in two-minute or five-minute bits. And they want it on demand. Yeah, on demand, yep. self-serve, library. Absolutely. Yep. And so that's all the perfect storm that's happening right now. But you think about the fact that what's sad is for the millennials and for the Gen Z as the next generation, which mm -hmm. are coming out of college right now, um, they're probably like 24, the youngest age right now is still going into eighth grade. So they're coming out, they're starting to enter the workforce, Gen Z. Okay. They are the opportunity for businesses, different than millennials. They are career focused. They are fiscally conservative, globally connected and tech savvy. So the younger generation that's coming out of college right now is an opportunity for every business if they take the time to actually speak to the why and they take a boomer, for example, and keep you in the business, mm -hmm. keep one foot in the business, or a Gen Xer like me, to lead, mentor, develop, create the freedom and choice and flexibility, which 60% of the talent requires flexibility right now. Right. That's a broad brush. What's flexibility to me? What's flexibility right. to you, et cetera. But you know, you, top on, you, you know, touch on something, you know, again, another one of those key trends is coaching and mentoring. Yes. So there's an opportunity to take one of those, you know, you know aging out of the workforce, you know, boomers with all that expertise, before they're actually yes. doing that and engage them with the younger, you know, workforce yes. um, within the company and transfer some of that knowledge, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, do it and do that from day one when those new people are coming into the organization, because that's another thing. Again, people, you know, take, accept positions. They want to go work for a company where they know they can make a difference, where they can make a contribution. Yes. And oftentimes because they are young, they may not have, you know, the required skill sets to, you know, at least not initially. So it's a great way for professional development from day one of your new workforce or your young workforce. And I think even doing something like that would immediately start to let that employee, that new employee know that, okay, you know, I'm valued here. Yeah. They're, they're, they're assigning someone to, to help coach and mentor me within the organization. Someone who's been here a long time knows a lot more than I do and they're, and they're willing to make that effort and sit down with me and be, you know, my go-to person. Right. Um, I think that if they, you know, here's one key tip. You know, we talk about, you know, I'm, my promise to our audience is if you, you know, after our time together today, you know, what is the one key takeaway that you can, you know, tomorrow begin to implement? Maybe this is, you know, a, a good one right here is, you know, before you lose that good, you know, experienced talent, go ahead and, you know, and assign them a mentor or coach to the, to the younger workforce. Yes, absolutely. And I think what's really important too is helping the bridge the communicational divide in terms of the generational differences. And what's interesting is, is that mentors and coaches who are aiming at being mentors and coaches, they are outward facing. But right. some people who are really knowledge and who have all the knowledge in their head um, and are they became the manager old school, let's say, because they just knew how to do everything. But they're not right. necessarily coaching type of managers. And we've all worked for one of those. 
Um, there's a lot of businesses that have that presence. And I think the really important thing is to maybe a quick tip, collaboration. People think of collaboration as teamwork and it's not. So like speaking on what we just spoke about, mm -hmm. collaboration is one of these leading indicators for performance, high performing organizations. Okay. So if we took an example like what you just gave in that tip and you say really collaboration is not just Deb and I working together at the table, it's I put out stuff on the table that I know, my ideas, things that I see from my lens and then you bring things that you see and together we create something new together. Okay, see, this this to me is why I think the opportunity, the, the diversity of thought and mm -hmm. opinion, and and every single person in the organization has their own their own experiences. Of course, they come to the company with their own you know experiences and knowledge and skills and talents. The opportunity to contribute at that level and be in an environment where that's um, encouraged yes. and rewarded, yes, I think is a great opportunity for people to feel that they are being heard, that they are valued, yes. that they are making a contribution. Nobody wants to go to work you know, every day and not feel that they're making a contribution or that they're not valued. Well, and it really changes the tone of what we used to call recognition. So we used to do recognition and, and being in sales and marketing and things that you've mm -hmm. seen, Deb, for sure you remember the thing as service awards, for example. No. Um, and it's comical, we were, I was on a call yesterday and there was talk among HR leaders. Well, really we should probably just celebrate people like at 60 days, 90 days and 100 days and then one year you know, like big celebration and waffle buffets and things like oh. this to say thanks for joining us. But it's really about changing recognition into appreciation, which is what that what you've been speaking to in right. terms of I feel valued. I right. feel that what I do here is something I enjoy. I'm challenged. I mm -hmm. work with quality people and I can be myself. So it's that teamwork framework, but collaboration of having a handprint on it. Mm -hmm. And then really um, managers, let's say today, operational leaders that have um, responsibility over people, it's really important for them to understand not just somebody's professional goals, but their personal goals today. What are your personal goals? Um, what are your professional goals? Because really, if you're looking at your talent and coaching them, you really have to know them personally, not just professionally. And a lot of the older leaders that are still out there with the tacit knowledge who've come up through old school like I did, they were taught there's a difference and you don't really need to get to know your talent and don't ask too many questions and this and that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important to understand people's personal goals as well. In, because yeah. if you don't, you're missing the mark. Well, I think you are. And again, I think that's another key strategy to drive retention yeah. is that if you fully feel that your manager knows you very well and that you take the time to do that. And, you know, it's interesting because in my past, you know, I used to have large, you know, workforces that worked for me. And I remember trying to make every effort to make sure that now I couldn't really have one-on-ones with everybody on my team but yeah. there was a, there were you know there were certainly very you know regularly scheduled meetings with direct reports you know the next level down we would do all staff meetings you know sure. and that and that as often as I could get to know the, those employees at that not just the professional level but the personal level right and making the effort to do that now to me that takes a little you know little effort but it has great impact. Absolutely. It really does. And I think what the opportunity now, example from a large team, let's say, right. or a virtual team, right. or something that's just beyond my span and control of ability to conquer all at once, like meeting one-on-one -on -one with everybody right. in a week or exactly. two weeks or whatever it might be, virtually or otherwise. I think that um, we need to build frameworks within teams or in businesses around the core values, which really are the voice of the we. Um, and if the we um, is something that the team or the organization has identified, mm -hmm. making it live. And an example of how I've made it live in my organization, for example, with my team, is I put 20 points or 20 bucks, essentially, I put money where my mouth is, right? And I put it out there. And what happens is um, I, am, I give every single person that 
points budget or pride, let's say. Okay. And then they get to get, I have an expectation that when I'm not here, for example, I'm on your show today. Exactly. Am I in the office? No, I'm not. And so what happens is I expect that um, my boosters, as I call them, they should be throwing their high five, $5, 20 bucks, whatever, hashtag our core value, whatever they want to cite, and then give it to somebody. And we have a social media platform for that so that they can hashtag. But my biggest accomplishment that makes me tear up at night, Deb, is I can go home tonight oh. and I can tuck my children in. I can go to my phone and I can see what my team did all day in terms of recognizing each other to our core values, which makes it lived. And it's truly way beyond me. Okay, so, th so this is organization-wide. I mean, this is part of your, the culture of your, of your organization. Yes. So you feel confident that you could step away and your team is still collaborating, working together, supporting each other, embracing each other. Mm -hmm. uh, best practice. Yeah, it's absolutely a way that you create peer-based feedback because one of the worst things you can do is have um, high-level talent working in a business and have underperforming talent working side by side and not addressing that. And so the best thing that you can do is empower your leaders to manage the culture. And when you have a tight culture like this where everybody lives it, then somebody who's invited in, if they're not indoctrinated to that culture and it's not their tribe, they manage themselves out. That's true they strong culture. Out. Right, okay. right. Because they, the, they don't see the fit. Right. And okay. so that's a true strong culture presence that exists after you've built this among teams. Um, my team delights me now um, when I'm bringing in my new hires, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, so is that to, part of your onboarding process when you bring people, new people in? And it's, absolutely. Okay. Well, what I've done now is um, I've become so thin spread, you know, right. wherever I go. Sure. Um, I'm delighted to say, yes, I had to give up meeting every single hire before they're hired. Um, and that's a weird transition in a business as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I don't meet them. I will meet them. But it could very well be after they sign their offer letter um, and after the interview process. And what that has shown me is that my boosters, they know our culture. They live our culture. They know when they see a booster. They know if they're a fit or not. Oh, my gosh. And then okay. I'm, like, almost delighted and tears and joyful when I meet them. And I go, who are you? And then I meet them personally first. I want to know their whole career track, where they are, why they're here, what are their personal goals. I hear them. I'm authentic. I share. I have books. You know it. Open uh, books. Absolutely. I'm vulnerable. I tell them why I'm here, why this business is here, how this came together why they're here, what the gifts are I see in them from their cognitive so you're assessment. So you're not holding back here. Not I at mean, all. You're sharing everything about you as, you know, your professional life. Absolutely. Your personal life, who you are as a person. Yes. So that to me would say, you know, so that's how you're embracing and, and, and welcoming them in. It's to human. The organization. And it, it's, that's human connection. That to me is, is the shift that I've seen. Yes. You know, the paradigm shift from before to now is that. It's that yes. humanity that is so critically important in order to have a healthy work environment yeah. and have a successful business. Yeah. And I think right now leaders have been doing it, but being vulnerable and showing that they have to manage their lives and being supported, it may, they might be seen as a traditional leader, let's say, mm -hmm. but we, we know leaders are at all levels in businesses, right. but for the sake of the example, um, it's important for those people who are seen as operational leaders or management, that they are truly living the expectation of the culture they want. For example, um, taking time off not answering emails on weekends, having boundaries. Um, some companies are even turning off their systems after certain hours so people go home. So, so setting the example yes. and living the example. So yes. do not do as I say, or do, you know, do as I say, right. not as I do. You're doing it. Right. Or they're doing it it's themselves. An, it's imperative, I think, and creating an environment where um, that's okay. You know what, and that's another shift that, mm -hmm. you know, and another tip certainly mm -hmm. that our audience can take with them about, you know, living that culture and, 
you know, you know, you have to be good to yourself and set the example. And then for then your people will, will believe, will believe it because mm -hmm. they have to believe it. They have well. to believe it. So let's talk for a second. Let's shift a little bit and talk about, you know, a lot, some of these, uh, you know, the issues that we're, that we're seeing as it relates to, you know, employers now having to potentially, you know, pay more to oh, hire, right. you know, hire people and mm -hmm. retain people. Um, it's not just about the employee They're you know, they're very family oriented mm -hmm. now. Well, not that they weren't, but now more so than ever, um, and making sure that their families are, um, are considered. Um, one thing that I read recently was that, you know, when, when, as far as recognition, you brought up mm -hmm. recognition a minute ago, um, you know, the rewards of recognition, you know, we used to joke, I used to joke back in my corporate days about, you know, we would have ice cream socials and yeah. yay, everybody's ha happy having ice cream. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Well, no, that was then this is now we're living in a different world. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about recognizing that person. It's about recognizing that person and doing it in a meaningful way that can have a benefit to their mm -hmm. families. And so somebody actually said, I actually read an article that's from uh, someone, a business owner who said, I feel now that I actually have to, you know, instead of giving my employee a bonus check, I have to send his whole family to Disney World. You know, it was sort of this, you know, tongue in cheek comment, yeah. but he made the point about, I, you know, we don't think that way. That's not how our traditional rewards and recognition programs mm -hmm. are. They're not funded, certainly, mm -hmm. to do something of that magnitude. You know, what do you see? Because you, you work with businesses, mm -hmm. you know, every minute of every day. What are meaningful ways that they can, you know, provide recognition to their team, do it in a way that is, you know, inclusive mm -hmm. uh, of that family unit um, or where that, you know, that employee feels that way? Yeah. And I think I would sum it up. Things that I'm seeing is just investing in your frontline talent. Okay. And so a lot of organizations are really taking the time to invest in their frontline talent, new talent that's coming in that doesn't have the skills and connecting them. Um, and for the in-person jobs, let's say the industries that have to have people on site, I've been seeing that they actually do uh, working lunches together all the time, okay. or they will do uh, training and development on an active basis. One of the, one of the conferences I just spoke at, they spent two days bringing all their managers across the entire state together just to talk about HR topics. And that is something that you would think was different and before pandemic, right? But it's back. And the companies that are really investing in their talent and showing that they care and investing in solutions, um, even if it's through discussion and possible changes, but their handprint in, is on it and it's a collaboration of discussion towards the future, that is going to be time well invested. And yes, there is some serious inflation, payroll inflation, external market competition right now. Right. There's no question about it. We're working um, for low-level skilled talent across industry. Mm -hmm. um, and you're seeing people who are coming out of college right now earning six figures in particular verticals as well. So when you look across industry, the bottom line is that people are not going to work anywhere where their heart and mind is not connected to what they're doing. And so if you think about that, if, if you are a leader, if you, if you consider yourself a leader in business or in coaching or any place in terms of leading another individual at work, um, you have to ask yourself, do I really know and care about this person? Do I have their heart and mind engaged in terms of I'm committed to their, helping them accomplish their personal and professional goals right. and helping them become a, a better person or a version of themselves within the time that they're with me? Right. And that doesn't mean they have to stay forever. It's ideal if you have the career lattice and they can grow internally sure. and stay. But even me, I've invested in HR talent that wanted to grow within my business, get richer experience, mm -hmm. broaden. Yes. Um, and I feel happy and joyful, though, when we hit the next mark 
and they go into a leadership VP position and right. I, I lose them, that they remember us at HR Boost. Of course. I love that we gave back to the field. Oh, and so when you think about that, okay. it's really important to take it to a place where you understand all talent today is not loyal to a company. None of it. Well, you know, it's they're loyal to you. They honey. are. They. It's it, again. That's that personal connection. That's who they're loyal to. Relationships. Right? Relationships. And so, you know, when you talk about, you know, a lot of the the investments companies yeah. need to make now more than ever, caught caught more costly investments. They have to pay people more potentially, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so. And one another trend that I'm sort of you know hearing a lot about, yeah. or reading a lot about, is this uh, de-leveling. So mm -hmm. you know, people hiring people, mm -hmm. maybe they're looking at a maybe a director level position, mm -hmm. and then when it's all said and done, the offer comes and it's at a manager level. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you know we want you and we really love your skill set and we think it's a good fit. However, you know we can only offer you the job at a management manager level now. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that would even fly in today's world, but you know, most recently, you know, employees will look at your potential employees would look at that and say, you know, well, you know, I really want to work for that company. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's worth it to, you know, take take that lower mm -hmm. offer, come in, prove myself, you mm -hmm. know, and then be rec you know rec recognized mm -hmm. down the road. Um, and then, or, or but I think what what's really happening, the reality of that is. They, if they do that, if they do join the organization mm -hmm. at that manager level, they're doing director, they're, they are who they are. They've got the skills to, mm -hmm. they are qualified to work at a, a, a higher level of responsibility, and then they become dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. And then, so do you see that, do you see deleveling being part of this, you know, great recession, or I'm sorry, resignation, mm -hmm. or, you know, the great reshuffle, I guess mm -hmm. it's, it's referred to as well? Um is that's what's going on here? Is just like driving people driving people out? Well, that that might be happening in bigger companies that are actually doing economic um, reactions, if you will, or economic okay. decisions, which has always been the case, right? You go back to the '90s, you go back to any big companies that right. are the first to move on economic indicators, and there are layoffs yep. happening right now. Netflix, everywhere, um, right? You know, Stitch Fix, Peloton. You know, there's companies right now doing layoffs, right? right. And so, I think in bigger organizations, that's just the nature of the. It's piece. a numbers game. It's a right. numbers game. Um, and that's what gives the middle market where I specialize and everything the competitive advantage um, because somebody who's skilled like that can come in and actually titles are cheap. I mean, honestly, yeah. you can give somebody any kind of title you want. I mean, titles are really cheap. Um, and, and just get where they are in their family and their life and what their ideal goals are and create solutions. Be win-win solution oriented. You can actually snag really skilled talent in a small mid-sized business right now and make that person an intra as I call it, inside your entrepreneurial environment. And they get to have a handprint on what's going on. They get to see the work, the impact of their work. It's quick, it's fast, it's great, exciting, energizing. And so the deleveling, I'm not seeing so much. In fact, okay. the, bigger, the bigger companies, right now I'm seeing layoffs across, um, talks of layoffs across a lot of large organizations. Um, and moving, relocation changes, obviously big things. Oh, absolutely. Everyone's leaving Illinois, it seems. But, exactly. you know, there's a lot of big decisions happening. I'm also seeing in smaller markets companies um, hiring across state lines because the boundaries have shift, right? Right. So there's all kinds of compensation. You need to, you need to be payroll benchmarking it uh, right now. I mean, I don't care if you're a small company, a middle right. company, a large company. You should be knowing what market data is. Um, and if you don't, ping me. But Absolutely. yeah, you have to be benchmarking because it's moving very fast and external by market. But I okay. think if you look at the deleveling, um, and you know, I even said it on a board call yesterday, the people that are being laid off are skilled talent. There's no question in my mind, and it's just an economic decision that's been made for numbers reasons. Right. Um, 
I put money down right now on how many of those people are going to enter the freelance market or go into the middle right. market and they're never going back. You know, it's interesting because if you look at, again, we, we follow data and trends. We're paying attention to statistics. And we you look at certainly all the numbers yeah. that came, from, you know, with people leaving the workforce. And I'm not sure if that was the great resignation where they actually left the workforce completely or if they just reshuffled and mm -hmm. went somewhere else. But I think there was a period of time not, not long ago where there were three consecutive months in a row mm -hmm. where there were like four million people each month mm -hmm. that left the workforce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you, you look at that and then you look at the number of new businesses that mm -hmm. were formed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think even this year, mm -hmm. since January, 1.3 million mm -hmm. just this year. Yep. You know, and then it's like, you know, 5 million, the, you know, last year and then 4 million the year before. So there is this movement yes. away from you know, nine to five, you know, if you will, mm -hmm. to, you know, to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so that is significant. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, and I think what, from to me, and I want to hear your, your point of view on this, is that there was kind of this awakening over the last couple of years where now the kids were home, mm -hmm. they were, you were isolated as a family, they were online doing schoolwork, you know, mom and dad were home, you know, doing work online, you were isolated somewhat. And the the family unit, the bonding of that family unit got stronger and stronger and stronger. And so I think as parents, mm -hmm. um, we're parents, yeah. as parents, you know, that's what you live for oh, sure. is to be with your with your children and, and be together as a family. And so you you look at that and you go, you know, why would you, you know, want to work in an environment that doesn't embrace that or doesn't you know, what, what has become more important to you as a result of that? Things like maybe we're moving to a four-day work week. I don't know. I would love right. to hear your point of view on that sure. as well. But, I mean, more time. Mm -hmm. They want more time. And so companies have to be aware about how they can do that effectively, efficiently, cost-effectively, certainly. Mm -hmm. um, but to make that employee feel like they, they, you know, have more flexibility maybe in schedules or what that maybe different benefits. Right. Flexibility is really key. Yeah. Um, the people that have left the workforce, these people that you've talked about yeah. who've left, there's been a number right. of survey um, and good data out there. I follow Ben Eubanks. He does Lighthouse mm -hmm. Research. He put out some great data on some of the people that just recently left in the last, during the last six months, let's say, during COVID. And the number one reason they were leaving um, is if they're poached talent, right? So skilled talent's getting poached. There's no question right. about it. There you go. So that's paying benefits, number one reason. Okay. Number two, burnout. I'm not appreciated. I'm not valued. I'm the one who's carrying everything here, and I don't need this anymore. Burnout was the, burnout and stress was the number two reason, um, and the third reason is always a reason, which is the leadership. I don't like this company. I don't like its values. It's not moving forward. I don't see the direction here. I'm not connected to it. Right. So there's no okay. that talent mind connection. Mm -hmm. So those are the three bullet points really of why people are leaving. Now you look at why would they stay? Well, the the, the stay factor really comes back to leadership, and it really comes back to flexibility. So 60% of talent right now, if you look at the available talent pool, 60% of it is demanding flexibility. 20% is demanding remote. If you watch TV, you watch the news, they're saying it's all yeah. about remote work. No, only 20% of people are hermits that never want to see you again. You know, 20% over here, these are people, people like me who need you, who could get lonely and depressed if they're at home and they don't see people. Right. But 60% are like, yeah, I like you and I want to see you when I have to talk to you, but I don't need to see you all the time and mm -hmm. I'd like to be over here and I got to get this done. I need flexibility. What's interesting of flexibility is a personal opportunity and conversation between every leader out there right now. What is flexibility in our business and how does it live in every role? How can you exercise flexibility from the role in which you lead and where you stand? And defining that language and answering that question. Because there are positions in every company that are not flexible. 
manufacturing companies, oh, nurses, whatever it is. Right. Um, you have to find ways from the talent's perspective, not from the leadership perspective, the talent. How do we build flexibility into your role so that you feel supported? And this is a team collaborative discussion because job sharing is a thing. Okay. Hard timers is a thing. Yep. Culture is the new organizational structure, as they say. Augmented partners, leased employees. There's a lot of freelancers, as we know, the growing market. Right. Companies, if they're going to feed their demand and their lack of talent, for sure, they're already augmenting to the shifted freelance talent and have partners. And those partners will be in particular skill sets, contract employees, whatever you want to call it. But that's something that's been living for a while and it right. will continue. Um, so culture really is that organizational structure. But flexibility is where it's at right now. It's the opportunity, like you're saying, there are companies still stuck on what they've always known. The average right now in hybrid is three days on site a week um, and okay. two days virtual. Um, I've, I've seen one organization that really got so far as to just come in and see us two times a month. Um, and I think that it really needs to be not um, looked at the office to just be in the office. Um, that's not going to work. You, you will disengage talent. I think that the office has to be seen as a destination if you want people to come there, which is something that comes to where they want to hang out there, where they want to get out of their house maybe and sit at the coffee bar with somebody. you know. Um, and so it has to be thought of as a destination now. But what companies are doing too is building social events like walks for Alzheimer's or causes or charity right now in the summer, the picnics. Um, Secret Santa's in July. I heard that yesterday on a board oh, call. Interesting. Um, much more um, humanistic relational touch you can even build rewards programs that um, I gave my team, for example. Um, if you get those points for those core values that right. you live, you can take Deb out to dinner tonight and bill me. Take a teammate out to dinner on the company, right? Little coupons for different things that gets people to together with the people that they want to connect with and build those relationships. Um, but don't just make people go in the office to be there because it's ridiculous. And 50% of the talent right now is going to be like, really? This is a waste this of time is what and you're doing. money. It's like the ice cream social. <laughs> so it's super efficiency right, right now. Right. But really building cadence and the communication um, structure is important. For example, I have a complete remote team, and some of them are in different states, and some of them are inside businesses here in right. Chicago. Um, we have a communication structure that's basically where a HR business partner, for example, is having a team meeting with every dedicated team that they have, and they can have a matrix structure of multiple teams across industry and clients in my book. For an example for okay. you, okay. but they're responsible for having team meetings once a week, every week. It's built into our pricing. It's built into our structure, which is a lot of companies may not realize the cost yeah. of communication <laughs> and really building framework around that. And if they don't have budget to increase their metrics for base pay, let's say, mm -hmm. well, they can always pay more if they earn more. And so then it's time to bring people and talent into the conversation of how we make money here. Oh, I love this. That is so right? critically important. Rom, yeah. I'm going to turn it back to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you know, uh, Deb and Nicole, uh, you both are successful women business owners. And here you are today sharing your, your expertise in front of, uh, you know, television viewers, uh, podcast listeners. I think our audience wants to know, how did you get here? Mm, how did I get here? Um, I think it goes back to our childhood. I think things are imprinted on us before we even know what those things are. I, I look back now, I was raised by a single mother. Um, she worked many jobs and she worked out of her house and she took me everywhere. And she really indoctrinated me to be self-sufficient at a young age. I think I cried on my 18th birthday, I remember, because it meant I was going to be responsible for myself and I knew it. Um, and maybe some of you had that experience, but then I went to corporate and I learned and I did, and I put myself through school all the way through grad school, worked, got into management at 22, just because I worked full-time, went to school full-time. I didn't mean to get ahead, 
But by the time I, un I finished undergrad, because you're doing it at night and working full time, um, I had six years of hands-on experience. So by the time I was 22, I was straight in management um, and the rest is history. I jumped from one company to the next like anybody else. I didn't go fishing for new work over the years. People found me, they sold me. Um, mm -hmm. And I did it, I moved just to grow. And I did that in four different companies in the manufacturing space over a period of maybe 12 years. And by the time I became a mother, then I thought I was gonna be a stay-at-home mother. My husband's very traditional that way, but empowering. And he was in a family business, but then he decided, um, you know, honey, you can try it on. And so I tried it on and then I, my hormones bounce. I got bored. I'm neurotic. I talk fast. You can tell. Um, and I love what I do. And so next thing you know, I started to have my cake and eat it too before people who are leaving right now are doing the same. Mm -hmm. So 2010, I resigned and I said, um, I want to find another person that wants to build the best place to work. And I'm on a mission, not in transition. And then I went out there and I talked to a lot of people, Rom. I talked to people in big companies with my best and brightest companies to work for advisory hat and board member role, and that's a different role that I have that still sticks with me as a strategic alliance partner and building best prices, best places to work mm -hmm. from scratch and a place that people love and that they endorse um, and how we do that. How do you become best and brightest? And so I'm proven in that. But back in the time that I did it, it was where I, talking to those people in those big companies and seeing what that was going on and then talking to the companies that I was consulting with, which was the middle market, smaller startup freelance companies, right, right Deb? Right. That's when I was hearing the same questions, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, and I'm going, oh my God, this is an emergency. Because yeah. the big companies were asking me the same questions as the little companies, and guess what? None of them had planned. None of them were being proactive. And I'm sitting there watching 30 million people missing between boomers and the next gen, and we're going to ask the next gen to grow up and be a manager in five years when you and I both had to work 15 years before we got there? Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? It's an emergency. And so that's when I wrote the book. Um, I kept doing what I was doing wrong. I consulted. I went out and found a niche in the marketplace. Every business I feel deserves strategic HR day one employee one because the second person that you hire could be the equity partner that actually takes your business from you. So I believe you deserve strategic HR day one employee one. Mm -hmm. um, every person that hires one employee has about 35 laws that apply to them that they don't even know. And they might be the expert in their vertical. But at HR Boost, I'm all about, no, let's, let's empower them. And I want them to be conversant, meaning aware not ignorant because right. ignorance is not bliss when you're building a business. So I empower business owners. We are tons of education information, hands-on in their business. We're not software as a service. We're not their broker. We're not their attorney. We play nice with all of those. Yeah, mm -hmm. we got to do payroll and benefits, but we create it however you want to do it and we implement it. We don't sell it. And so that's where we were really plugging in. And then the next thing you know, I had 50% growth year over year. I hit a niche. Um, I hemorrhaged a little bit, like businesses when they grow fast, and then I was hit up for acquisition by a big company in Chicago, and my first client offered me um, $100,000 for a percent of equity in my business, and that's the day that I looked in the mirror and said, what do people see in me that I don't see because mm -hmm. I didn't feel success yet? Then I got into the Goldman Sachs program, 10,000 Small Businesses. Boy, did they teach me. They taught me financial modeling, planning, business case, build your business plan, what's your voice, what's your vision. I cried. I overcame fear. I went back, I locked in my investor, and the rest is history. And now I'm strategic, proactive, growing, scaling mm -hmm. my business. And so that's how I got to where I am. And I'm an open book. Um, I have no problem sharing authentically. Um, I have a lot of audiences. Um, if you wrote my, read my book, The Talent Emergency, back when I wrote that book, I also had on my heart uh, my most important book, if you asked me, which is The Power of Joy and Purpose, which is dedicated to my children. If I died tomorrow, I would want my boys to live by it. And it's a raw, authentic share of overcoming trauma, overcoming everything, not being a victim, living with joy, 
And that's how it brought me to here, Ram. Now I'm joy and purpose through our work, through our God-given graces. We all deserve it. We all can have it. You've got the experience, Deb. I've got the experience. Well, you know, it's interesting. And, our, you know, our backgrounds are somewhat similar, you know. And it, but in my case, my, you know, Ram, you had asked, um, but, you know, kind of how I got here is I was very fortunate in that I had my dad was a management consultant um, for most of his life, had his own company. And so even when I was a, a, in high school, you know, he and I would have conversations about business. And I was fascinated by, you know, how he talked about his work, the different kinds of clients he had, the different kinds of industries that they were in, you know, what the problems and challenges were that he was, you know, charged with helping solve. And so when I, you know, actually, you know, got through school and got my graduate degree, and I, and I went to work, you know, his counsel to me was, I think that you should be very uh, cognizant of planning your career, planning your career, mm -hmm. you're here starting your career, you just got your MBA, <laughs> you know, plan your career so that you don't find yourself in a position down the road where, where you will be bored. Because I know you well, mm -hmm. I'm your dad. You get bored easily. So I don't see for you, my daughter, that, you know, you will you know, go get your first job out of MBA school and stay there forever, or do that job forever. I don't see you doing that. And so that resonated in my mind. And so what I did is I literally, I took that literally. So I moved, I moved in my career out of school you know, I was, and I, I worked for, you know, uh, heavy industrial manufacturing companies. Then I went to work for financial services companies mm -hmm. and I went to work for um, industrial distribution companies. Um, you know, and on and on and on. So I was purposeful in moving, changing industries. Why? Because when I was working for Cummins Engine Company and heavy engine and, you know, in, in manufacturing, where they, you know, sent me to engine school for a week to learn awesome. how to disassemble and assemble a Cummins diesel engine. That was interesting. Yeah. You know, and I did that and I did that for five years and I thought, okay, well, that that's good. And then my dad would say, what's next? And I think, Oh, I think I want to go, I think I want to learn about service marketing. I was a marketing person at the time. I want to learn about marketing services, not, you know, tangible products. And I remember some of my family members saying, what do you know about, what do you know about financial services? And I would say, I know nothing about financial services, but I want to learn that. So then I went to work for Citigroup. And so I, I made these uh, transitions uh, to build my breadth of experience because I thought it was going to be important because my dad always wanted me to join his firm, be a management consultant. You can't be qualified to be a management consultant if you don't have this breadth and depth of experience. So I got the breadth by working in many different industries, and then I changed roles. Yeah. So I went, you know, I started in marketing, then I went into sales, then I went into operations, IT. Uh, and so I, you know, and then I was, you know, manager, and I was a director, or vice president. So I learned, I learned a lot in, the, in my career. And then eight years ago, I thought to myself, okay, I'm kind of tired. I'm done with this. I think I've done what I can do here. And then it be, my work became more meaningful to me. Yeah. I needed to, I felt the need to give back because I had gained so much. And so I wanted, so I went to work working for some nonprofits, membership associations, and small businesses because I felt it was important to. I wanted to be helpful to right. you know, the SMBs of the world. Right. I named my company after, you know, SMBs because I thought, here's the lifeblood of our economy as our small business owners. If I can leverage and tap into my expertise, and that could be a value, 
and, and help a small business either start or survive, then I've done something good here. And so that's how I got here. I love that. I love that. And I think what's really interesting, though, when you think of the younger talent right now, they blow my mind already. I oh. mean, I, my, my son's 13. He's going into eighth grade. And I'm like, he's streaming live with India twice a week. You know, it's like they, and then the ones that I've met who are, you know, let's say 10 years younger in their 30s, their 20s. Um, if you just observe and you get to know them, they are, I'm going to live in Paris next year. I'm going to just travel because I want to get some experience in Europe. And then I'm going to come back. And then I'm going to, you know, it's like what you're talking about with industry, kind of how you right. were, they're actually much more on the global map of what do I want to experience? Where do I want to live? And they have actually done it. I'm connected to some that I've met over the years in Chicago that are now abroad and they intentionally move their lives and they like remote jobs, for example, that promote them to get paid to go work in a different zip code country or place to experience something new. And you can offer that as a benefit now. You see, and you know, <laughs> what you're saying here tells me that there seems to be like, there's not a lot of fear. No, you know, there's back like in no the day fear. When, you know, when, <laughs> you know, there was, there's, these, these young professionals, mm -hmm. number one, they are competent, they're capable, mm -hmm. they're, they're knowledgeable, they're educated, mm -hmm. they know what they want. That's another thing too, is they know what they want and they have no fear and, and they want to experience yeah. you, know, you know, the world of work mm -hmm. in many different ways. And so I think you know, if our employers or potential employers, to be able to, be able to provide an environment like that mm -hmm. where you can offer opportunities to people you know, you talked before about strategic HR, mm -hmm. you know, and then, you know, you're HR professional. I was marketing mm -hmm. professional. We back, you know, not that long ago were viewed as, you know, we're a big operating expense to, to our company. Sure, overhead right? department. So, right. right, we're overhead. <laughs> so when, you know, budgets need to be cut, as they often do, you know, I've had to do it myself yeah. managing, you know, budget, sure. big budgets. And it's like, okay, where are you going to cut? Sure. And so, of course, the big ticket item there are your people, you know, which is, you know, devastating for everybody. Um, but, you know, viewing. And so what I find that in my experience and my ability to work with my clients, at least on the strategic planning uh, level, is we we plan a business strategy. We develop business strategy mm -hmm. from an enterprise wide point of view, meaning it's not just the financial, you know, strategy mm -hmm. or the customer facing mm -hmm. value proposition. Mm -hmm or the processes and operations, where I find at least my, a lot of my, my clients where they really need help is planning at the employee level. Oh, absolutely. Especially now more than ever. Absolutely. Because they were not good at it before. Right. Now, now with that, you know, that the world spinning off of its axis, mm -hmm. now they're really struggling with, and when, because we're building business plans, mm -hmm. what are your objectives and your strategies to acquire the right people, mm -hmm. to retain your good people? Mm -hmm taking all these data points into consideration, right. all the comments and, um, you know, recommendations that you've made here, mm -hmm. putting it down on paper, mm -hmm. making it actionable, accountable, mm -hmm. fund it, and that's, you know, and, and mm -hmm. start implementing some of those strategies and do it in a, you know, and focus on the performance management of it because at the end of the day, and I've had this conversation so many times about strategy is, you know, you have to think of it bottom up, not top down. And I think I just heard you say this in a, in a previous show, is it's not the, you know, the leadership of the organization developing the strategy, you know, in the boardroom, and I've been there and I've helped them do it, and then mm -hmm. they push it down into the organization. And then ultimately, you know, it's not successful mm -hmm. or it's not meeting the, the you know, the goals that they set right. for themselves. And so the thinking being that flip it, flip the model, mm -hmm. the planning model, and say, if you 
hire the right people with the right skills and talents and give them the right tools and focus on professional development mm -hmm. of them. And then if, you know, so you've, you're focusing on your employees, you certainly make sure that you've got your operational processes, efficient yeah. workflows, all that, you know, in line. You've got the right value, mm -hmm. you know, proposition, competitive advantage, branding, all that, uh, you know, customer facing strategies. Those three perspectives will drive your financials. Mm -hmm. So that's another tip for our mm -hmm. audience out here as far as you know, things to pay attention to and things that you can implement tomorrow yeah. is take a lot of Nicole's guidance here that she has provided to you, things, you know, practical information. And that's what the show, this show is all about is, you know, take away what you can from our discussions, what works for you. And, you know, the one I'll leave you with, which to me is one of the most important is plan at your employee level, take advantage of some of the, the, the tips and tricks and strategies that Nicole has shared here today and start addressing your business with your employee, you know, perspective in mind and the rest of it's going to take care of itself. Well, even thinking strategically about how you want um, the infrastructure to support itself and to mm -hmm. live the value that you're offering, a lot of people do it reactively. Right. I find um, most companies that call me do it reactively, okay. and I'm all about doing it proactively from the, the earliest possible point because it really does come from, it has to be extrapolated from the person that's driving it, right. um, and a lot of people don't know how to do that for themselves. It's a kind of a give-and-take conversation, mm -hmm. um, and once it's down on paper, and you put words around it, um, and then invite people to that conversation. You know, this is this is critically important, and I'm glad you brought this up because, to me, and at least in my in my world and in, in my experience, one of the best ways that I've been able to to drive employee retention yeah. among my people is to ground them in the business strategy, the, the, the reason for being for the organization. Yes. What are we here collectively trying yes. to accomplish? And know that, and know that when you, and we do all this on a scorecard, and so each employee can look at that scorecard and say, ah, mm -hmm. okay, I'm a product marketing manager, and that my job is to, you know, put together marketing campaigns for these product categories. Oh, here's a scorecard. This, this is, my work supports these, this objective, this strategy, this measurement, mm -hmm. And, and so what happens is, right, just by doing that one thing, the employee feels valued. They know why they're there. They know why they were hired for the job versus somebody else. Mm -hmm. They see how important they are. And that's another tip, mm -hmm. is share your strategy with your people. Let Show them how they matter. Show them the, the contribution that they're making and how critically important is to the overall success of the business. You have to incentivize people tied to what you want the outcomes to be. And, and that's something fundamental. You would, you would think that if you're gonna give an incentive to somebody to motivate them, to make them move in a different direction. Right. Um, but a lot of the incentives in the past were always sales driven. They were always siloed off. They were always to maybe the people that are out in the field versus the people that are the backbone of the business in the offices or manufacturing versus the wall the other side. This right. has always been a dynamic. Absolutely. And so um, I think if you can get rid of that if you have any policies or benefits right now that segregate your workforce in that such a way, right. it's time to revisit those. Um, because if it doesn't speak to the we voice, you're having, you're preventing yourself from optimization of, of the we. Uh, you know, I, I, another great tip, optimization of the we. And I think, you know, it's another way to think of that, at yeah. least in practical terms, um, is making sure, you know, we talked about 
diversity of, of your workforce mm -hmm. and making sure that you are respectful of certainly the, the construction of your team and who they are and the skills and talents. Yes. What is critically important is the diversity of opinion, experiences, thought, backgrounds. You, you want all that. Yes. You want it all because there, there, this is a, a wealth of, of information mm -hmm. to help you plan. Everybody's, you know, everybody's input is important. And as employees, your business strategy is only as successful as your employees' ability to implement it. Absolutely. So you could be in a room in an ivory tower in a boardroom planning a beautiful thing, and, but if your people are not grounded in it, they don't see themselves in it, and, and they don't see their, even their opinions or thoughts or views expressed yeah. in the strategy, then you've lost an opportunity to retain good people. Oh, it's already passed. Right. I think that people were really already measuring their organizations during COVID and how their companies reacted to COVID and what they did. And a lot of people that were not asked, there was not conversation, there was not culture surveys that were anonymous, there wasn't an employee exchange to some degree of what the results would be. A lot of people actually left their leadership communication to crickets where people were just like, I don't know what my company is doing. I haven't heard what's happening. Um, those companies are already in a place of triage and repair as far as I'm concerned. The companies okay. um, that did it already are winning because those companies felt the care during the crisis and they got, um, they got some sticky factor there, Yeah. right? They got proof, evidence, a lived experience already that lets them know that their company's authentic and that their company does care. Um, that's something that I saw firsthand across the industry, across state lines, all kinds of things that I see. But a lot of companies were so focused on just surviving, to be quite honest. That's true. That That's was, what I meant about last, you know, number yeah. one trend was, you know, financial funding, PPP, yeah. keeping your doors open. Um, but having a strategic partner like Gator Boost, we could have come in, right? And we do exactly. culture surveys and we could have, you know, given that, that arm, that extension. And so that's okay. where um, there's always a medium. Culture is not once and done. No. Culture is wash your hair, rinse, repeat. And it changes daily. You have to be, it's a continuous process improvement. It's right. a process and it's lived and it's something that's breathing in your organization. It is the way we do things here. It is the things that aren't said that people feel. It's the reality of the culture. It's, it's real. And it still lives even with a remote virtual world, I promise mm -hmm. you. And then the talent that's looking at that brand, they're looking at you on Glassdoor. They're looking at the leaders on LinkedIn. They're doing research on every social media platform to see what your core values are, what's said, what's lived. Um, and they can get a lot and make an assessment about if they would think your company's legit um, pretty quickly, 15 seconds, I would say, okay. um, online. And a lot of companies haven't updated their websites or gotten on social yet or had their leaders internally be brand ambassadors and invite their teams to set up their LinkedIn profiles as a we, you know, being proactive about it. Um, yeah, there's so much opportunity, really. So a lot of lost opportunity. Oh, over the last, I mean, tra tra almost tra tragedy, right? Yeah, it's it's okay. it's a tragedy in terms of, um, it's a paradigm shift. It's a talent emergency. I felt yeah. it was an emergency back in 2015. Now people have me as a keynote speaker. They of invite course. me around because they feel it now. Now they know it's a talent emergency. Well, because right, exactly. They they feel it themselves, mm -hmm. and you know, probably knew it was coming, and in many cases didn't really address it head on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, now we're paying, uh, you know, the price for that. What's really scary is that um, the United States market is a global market, just like many other countries right, right now. Right. Um, the gap of talent, of skilled talent, is not just a United States issue. It is a global issue in many countries that are competitive. Okay. And so there are people already who've been um, touched um, by the international market, and that's going to continue to happen, I think. Yeah. 
um, because uh, they're looking for talent also. Of course they are. Oh, yeah. All righty. It's <laughs> like uh, we covered a lot of ground today. I think it's time for us to recap and summarize what we just heard. Sounds good. Okay, folks. So um, this is a quick summary. We have a crisis in our hands when it comes to hiring, retaining, and developing our people. The time to act is now before they move on to other opportunities or join the ranks of entrepreneurship. We're living in turbulent times, changing times, so managing change is critical for success. The role of HR is changing. Be part of the solution by being vigilant and connected to your team. Organizational culture is something that needs to be nurtured, focused on. It's not happenstance. It's purposeful, <laughs> it's strategic, and it's a critical success factor. Entrepreneurship, or professional development of your own people, get them thinking and working on out-of-the-box, innovative projects, and give them the training and tools they need to be successful. Be an employer of choice is no longer a nice to have, it is a must have. And for those of you who are considering entrepreneurship, you know, take, you know, Deb and Cole's advice, surround yourself with a supportive network, you know, for women business owners, for example, check out nawbo.org, the National Association of Women Business Owners. Yeah. And build your plan, starting with your vision and back up your plan with key objectives, strategies, uh, metrics that drive accountability and align your team with resources. Use the balance scorecard, uh, business planning methodology. It will keep you on track, align your team and hold you accountable. You must be proactive in acquiring, retaining and driving loyalty among your employee base. We're living in a new world and your people are critical for your success. And don't forget uh, one-on-ones, you know, be consistent with uh, the one-on-ones. And for your new hires, onboard them with your scorecard and specifically show them why they are chosen for the job, why they matter, and why their skills and talents are critical for success. And ultimately, how they will be held accountable. Mm -hmm. All right, I think we um, had uh, such a... Uh, Wonderful time today. I just want to say uh, one more time, uh, thank you so very much, Nicole. It was my absolute pleasure to be here, Ram, and I just appreciate, you know, the questions that you ask and the opportunity to share. And if anybody wants to find me, I'm an open networker on LinkedIn or through the websites. But thank I wish you for everybody. Asking that. I was going to ask you, how can people find you? Yeah. How can they find your books? Um, I have a website called NicoleMartin.Live because I do speak globally and I've been asked recently in recent years to do that. And so I have a separate page off of my website about me and my books and speaking. More of a side gig, my passion, not my bread and butter. <laughs> HR Boost is my bread and butter. Um, so HRBoost.com. But even on LinkedIn, I'm very personable. I'm happy to connect with you. Instant message me on Messenger, right? And maybe I'll start something like Ask Deb. I can start an Ask Nicole. I got to make some time to do something there like that. There you go. But it's my absolute honor to be here to have a good conversation with a friend that I know and talk something rich that I'm passionate about. And hopefully it was authentic and not scripted. And you've got some nug in there that inspires you, that helps you lead from wherever you stand. Exactly. And, and again, back to our, our, you know, our final remarks here. You know, if, you could, if you could take one key takeaway from this discussion, share, tell us what it is. 
you know, don't be shy. You know, Ramadas asked us uh, not to be shy. So, you know, let's hear from you. Tell us what you took away, what you've been able to move forward with. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming shows. Okay, folks, on June 30th at 11 a.m., our guest is George Sullivan mm. discussing his work with carbon neutrality and climate change, sustainability, mm -hmm. why you and your business should care, and steps you can take. On July 14th, our guest will be Sweden's own Katarina Hansens Carlson, sharing her insights on are we truly preparing our children mm. for the future? On July 28th, our guest will be Kelly Keller, sharing best practices on how to protect your content, safeguarding your intellectual property. And on August 11, our guest will be Hector Berezi on innovation, best practices for SMBs and that small to mid-market businesses. Okay, folks, I uh, just wanted to say uh, a few more thank yous uh, before we say goodbye. As Tab About Business is recorded at Butterfield Studio in Vernon Hills, Illinois, located at 1000 Butterfield Road, Suite 1007, again, in Vernon Hills. It is located just 25 minutes north of Chicago's O'Hare Airport, with its 7,500 square feet customizable staging and broadcasting space. The studio, with its full-service production and broadcasting team, is sure to service your next conference, game show, product launch, and brand activation, you name it. As Tab About Business, the hosts, and Future Television, thank Butterfield Studio for making this show awesome. We love you guys. Okay, so uh, our uh, final uh, thank you very much again. Uh, thank you so much for your being here with Deb, Nicole, and me. Remember, if you're watching the show on Future Television as a podcast or as a recorded event on one of our social media platforms, you too can be part of the conversation. Watch for the links on this video so we can continue the conversation on our YouTube channel, that is IMCI Magazine. We hope to see you again on June 30th for another episode of Ask Deb About Business with our guest George Sullivan on climate change, sustainability, why you and your business should care, and steps you can take. Thank you so very much, and I will leave you with our institutional message. Thank you. Thank you.